Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ultimate Insider, Bear Insiders podcast. I'm Mike Pulaski, former Cal quarterback and radio color analyst. And today we're talking about the Cal OSU game. Obviously, not the result the Bears were looking for. 52-40. to 40, They knew the Beavers could play when they came in. But I did not expect 52 points by any means whatsoever. Overall, big picture look, defense played poorly. Maybe as poorly as I've seen the defense play in the Justin Wilcox era. It was really bad. We'll talk about it in just a minute in terms of what was going on. The offense, however, played much better. I thought that adding Fernando Mendoza to the mix made a huge difference on the offensive side of the ball at that quarterback position. Their quarterback, DJ Uyunglele, had the game of his life. I don't think anybody in that stadium, including their coaches, expected him to play like that. But he played out of his mind. And their running back, Damian Martinez, is a man-child. We'll get into it more uh, in just a second. And I will talk to Coach Wilcox later on. And he'll break it down for you as well. Right now, let's talk about Cal's offense. Because I love the positive of Fernando Mendoza. And I have really liked this kid since I first met him. I believe it was at Washington State. And he came up and shook my hand. Uh, Jackson Brown introduced him to me. And we started talking. He just has a positive energy about him. He is a kid who is a gym rat, who loves being in the offices, who studies everything, who does everything right, who brings the right attitude, brings the mentality to, to the field. And so when I heard that he was going to get the start, I was juiced. I was looking forward to seeing him do it because I've seen him operate on the field, seen him operate in spring ball. I've seen him doing what he can do. And I thought, you know, at this point, you might as well start the youngster. And the reason he hadn't started at this point was because he is a youngster. And so they were a little concerned about how he would handle game time situations. That said, he was fantastic in terms of his presence for a first game. He's going to get better. There were there were mistakes for sure. Early on, you could see the nerves. Young kid out there, he missed a couple of easy throws, made the right reads. His eyes were in the right place, but the balls weren't very good. And so the number one thing he'll improve after this game is accuracy. And that will happen as he settles down. As he slows down to game speed, his accuracy will come down to game speed as well. That is easily correctable just by bringing the nerves down just a touch, not feeling rushed. And once he does that, he is going to be an even better operator because this kid, like I said, studies. His eyes are always in the right place. In this offense, they are asking quarterbacks to make a lot of different reads. There's the reads that you would normally make within pass routes. It's either a pure progression, which oftentimes with this air raid style system, it is, or you are reading one defensive player and throwing based on what he does. Could be a high-low read, could be a two-on-one, could be a triangle read, uh, it, all kinds of different versions of reads, a flood read. But you're going to have some style of read that you use as a quarterback. So that's one read that you do in the passing game. Every quarterback who throws the football has to do that. Then they have RPO reads where you have to decide, A, are box numbers good for the run? If they are, I just hand it off. B, if box numbers are mixed, oftentimes a five-man box, you run it every time. A six-man box, then there's one defender to read because the quarterback is getting that extra defender. And so that's the read. And if you pull it, if, if 
that defender does whatever he's supposed to do. You either pull the ball or you you hand it off to the running back and he takes it. If the defender stays home to take the quarterback or if he covers pass, then you hand that ball off. If the defender tries to get his nose in the run game, you generally either take it yourself as a quarterback and run or you dish it out to a receiver to make the box numbers even and give yourself the advantage that way. And then there's the zone read option, which is a pure run by the quarterback in which you are reading generally a defensive end. And if a defensive end crashes the play, tries to get his nose in the run, then as a quarterback, you pull it and you take the edge that he just gave up. Now, you may have a bubble on the outside by receivers as an option. uh, And oftentimes you do because it makes it a triple option for you. And so that way, if the outside defender, if the flat defender squeezes you as a quarterback, now you dish it outside, you've got numbers out there. So there's a lot going on in this offense that quarterbacks have to read. And especially for a young quarterback, oftentimes we've seen with Sam Jackson and Ben Finley, their eyes have been in the wrong place. And they they haven't made those reads every time. Well, Fernando Mendoza was on it. He was making the reads he was supposed to make. And I expected him to because watching him in the film room, watching him in practice, he is constantly dialed in to what Jake Spavadol is saying, what coaches are telling him, how to figure out the read. Every time I come there, he's asking me about how to improve his game. And so I love this kid just for that alone. Uh, but he did that, and it looked so much better. And the amazing part about it is it seemed like Cal had more receivers open. And the reason they had more receivers open is because Fernando was going through his progressions. He was getting through his reads. He was spreading the ball around. And when you don't just stare down one receiver, if you start hitting the right spaces, now defenses have to adjust. And when they do that, it creates openings for other guys. And so it opened that up. It was really good. It was great to see. And I think Fernando did a nice job within the offense of doing what Coach Spav asked him to do in the run game and in the pass game to create that open space. It looked like Jack Andrews and Fernando actually had a special affinity in this game in that I'm sure they've thrown a lot together. They're the same class. They came in together. These guys have, I'm sure, talked about it a bunch. And it was nice to see Fernando find Andrews on the deep over. Their coaching staff schemed up a play where they got Andrews to the middle of the field on a vertical route, and Oregon State, speaking of eye discipline, completely blew it. And so safety stayed home. Nobody covered Andrews. Fernando did a great job keeping the safety backside with his eyes and finding Andrews down the middle of the field completely uncovered. That was a gimme, and love seeing them complete the gimme uh, for Andrews for the touchdown, who, by the way, also caught his first touchdown pass in this game as well. So a nice job there. What you saw out there with Fernando was Cal's chemistry stepping up, getting better. Because his teammates know what he's like. They know what kind of dude he is. And so they wanted to see him have success. And when he did, now that brings the whole energy level of the team up. Again, we'll talk to Coach in just a second, but he'll tell you about this as well. The whole energy level comes up. The belief level comes up. That belief brings buy-in. Buy-in creates chemistry. Chemistry creates a culture in the team. And I'm not saying we're not putting the whole thing on him right now. But you need more guys like that who teams can rally around. Jackson Sherman is a great one on defense who has done that as well. And so at the quarterback position, it's so especially pivotal that guys trust you, that believe you, and that they know that you're going to do the right things. And so Fernando had it exhibited in practice in spring 
uh, around the you know weight room around the facility that he was intentional about doing the right things and it showed up in the games and he did the right things which was great to see i love the fact that fernando was uh he would complete a pass or he would make a big play when he threw the touchdown pass uh to afonzi in the end zone he was jumping up and down and pumping his fist and bringing all that energy and then he was high-fiving offensive linemen at one point he even went over and shook the referee's hand and that was awesome because that's the kind of dude he is he just he just brings that to the table every time and so seeing him do that was great and that energy always pays off it always translates and so uh i love seeing it up in the booth i was laughing out loud about it it was great but i'm sure his teammates love seeing that as well down the road that will pay off speaking of the o-line the bears ran for 241 yards they've been a very good rushing team so far this year and a huge piece of that is what mike blesh has done with that offensive line getting those guys to know their assignment getting them on their assignment uh but another piece of that is making the reads when the box numbers are right and again goes back to what we we're talking about with fernando making the right read handing the ball off when you have a light box of four and one box meaning four defensive linemen one linebacker or a four and two box but the defensive end was staying home take care of ron or take care of some other assignment and so running the ball against that when the bears caught them in that light box especially the four one box they gashed them pretty good for some pretty big chunks explosive plays and it was nice to see on offense so Jay Knott early got some big explosive runs and then disappeared uh, with an injury we found out later on. And Isaiah Ifonzi came in and he was an absolute beast in this game. He is so hard to tackle. He runs angry. Just he is determined that nobody is going to bring him down and it shows up on the field. And so watching him run and watching what he did, it's just... It's really impressive as a guy who played 11 years pro. It's just impressive to see a guy run that hard, that physically. He's not a massive football player. He is thick and strong and clearly has great balance, but he's not massive by any means when you look at him. He's not the size of Damian Martinez, but I have never, I can't think of a back that, that received and absorbed blows like that while still remaining completely upright. So truly impressive to see him run uh, and to see him do those things i thought jv and thomas showed flashes of speed and that's what he brings you he brings you speed uh off the edges as the bears start to kind of get him in the rotation a little bit more at that running back spot i thought he did a very nice job in there he's a guy who could be a weapon as a fly sweep guy as a outside zone guy i don't think at his size you want to pound him between the tackles but I think in this running game, running counter, running sweeps, running some of the trick stuff, getting him in the screen game, actually, I'm not sure what he's like as a receiver, but if he can catch and if he can run good routes, he would probably be a good weapon there with his speed. And so the Bears trying to get a little seasoning on Thomas to make sure that he grows up quickly at that position as well. So nice to see him in there at running back as well. Finally, I know I've been gushing about Fernando, but I love seeing him get through his progressions. I love seeing him go from one to two to three and to his check downs and doing all that. Down the goal line especially, you saw him do that for that first pass where he dropped, his first option wasn't open, he had to move in the pocket, start to escape, 
And you could see, I, I could see it as a quarterback, he was considering scrambling, and all of a sudden, he remained a passer, and there's a Fonsi, and he drops that ball off, and a Fonsi gets in the end zone. And so getting through, remaining poised, and then later getting that throw across to the back of the end zone. I think it was a two-point play. I can't remember off the top of my head now. But getting through his progression and actually directing traffic out there as a quarterback, telling people where to go, and as he's approaching the line of scrimmage, so holding that defense up that has to tackle him if he takes off running, and then making that throw across the back of the end zone, that was impressive as well because he remained poised the whole time. So it was great to see him operate. Again, I'm excited about what Fernando will do in this offense. This is just his first game. And he's got, you know, four full years now, including this year, to play, to get better, to improve, and to do great things at that spot. So I'm looking for a ton of growth out of him. This is just the beginning, and I'm excited to see where that goes. Now, let's flip it and talk about the defense, because I was not nearly as excited about the defense. Everybody knew that the Beavs were good coming in. I had talked about their offensive line coach, Jim Mahalachek. I believe he's one of the best in the country. And he gets his guys playing physically. He gets them dialed into their assignment. He gets them playing fast. And those are all the things you need for an offensive line. And they are impressive to watch on film. And Damian Martinez, when you see him on film, you realize, wow, this guy is really, really good. But then when you see him in, in person, you realize I didn't realize how good he was when I watched him on film. He is a completely different dude out there on the field than he is on film. Not different, but he's a completely just a physical wrecker out there on the field. Comes at, I think, six foot 231. So big, swole, physical, tough, can slash, has great speed, the ability to make people miss or to run through tackles, the ability to outrun guys to the edge. He is just the whole package. So he's pretty, he's pretty special in there, especially behind that offensive line. So that is a nice tandem to have. Oregon State also has really good tight ends. They, they have a history of having good tight ends, but they have, they have guys who can catch the ball, who can block, who play an integral role in that offense. And they used them to great success in this game because the Bears, and this is the first time I've ever seen it, uh, to this extent, I've seen them do a little bit of it before, but this is the first time I've seen it to this extent. It was one of the most undisciplined games that I've seen in the Justin Wilcox era. The, there, there's a term called gap integrity. And so on defense, you want to have gap integrity, even if you're bringing pressure, that everybody has a gap locked down. So at the run game, uh, does not have success and, and, Oftentimes, you'll have redundancies in terms of gaps if you have a prediction about where an offense is going. But there were several times on the night that the Bears lost that gap integrity, and it wasn't necessarily forced. It was just a, an individual error in terms of not being there to take care of your gap responsibility. It was clear as day on film. It's what happened when you got some of those big run plays and it is totally uncustomary for a, a Justin Wilcox and Peter Sermon's defense. Those guys are usually on it in terms of assignment. They may not make every play. Uh, physically, they don't match up sometimes. But in terms of assignment, those guys are usually right on top of assignment. 
And there were a lot of guys that missed assignments this week in terms of being gap sound in their positioning on defense. That said, eye discipline was also really bad, uh, especially in the secondary, but also with the linebackers. When I say eye discipline, it's about where am I supposed to look? I talked about Fernando Mendoza having his eyes in the right place, making the right reads. Linebackers have to do the same thing. DBs have to do the same things. And the Bears' defense did not have good eye discipline in this game, period. We had corners who had their eyes in the wrong place to get beat on play action on the goal line for a touchdown. We had safeties who had their eyes in the wrong place to get beat for play action on the goal line for touchdowns. We had linebackers who had their eyes in the wrong place to get beat on screens. And so having eye discipline and playing your assignment, defense is entirely assignment-oriented. And so everybody has a responsibility out there. And if everybody does their job and takes care of their assignment, then the defense functions well. But it only takes one guy to miss their assignment, and the defense looks essentially like hot garbage. And the defense did not look good this week because dudes, and more than one dude, like this was spread out from D-line to linebackers to secondary. Like everybody got into the game. Everybody got into that position. Not everybody, but every level got into that position of having bad eye discipline and bad discipline in terms of technique and not fulfilling their assignment. And so it was a rough game to watch on film where you could see it clearly. And it's something that Bears absolutely have to shore up uh, coming into Utah this week coming up. We'll talk about Utah later on in the week. I'll have a preview for you of the Utes. But it's something the Bears just absolutely have to, to shore up because that was not good. That was not characteristic. For a couple more things, in a game like this, you have to win the turnover battle. And the Bears got one takeaway, but they also gave the ball away twice. One time... Uh, I believe it was Afonso got stripped coming out. I could be wrong about that. Anyway, one of the Bears running backs got stripped uh, and the ball came out and they turned it over. And then right back to back, Fernando came out and he had a miscommunication or a misread with Taj Davis. Taj ran an inside release and then ran the go and Fernando threw it like he was throwing a what's called a bang, a, a skinny post, a flat inside go ball. And Taj looked like he was trying to talk to Fernando after the fact about it. And, uh, and so I, I, I would guess it's probably on Fernando being a young quarterback in the moment. But uh, oftentimes you can get that misread as a quarterback because there are options within that system where if he takes one release, you do one thing. If he takes another release, you do another. And I'll talk to Coach about this one and figure it out. But it's uh, – you know, outside of that was pretty clean, but those two turnovers, it was, I think, 35-32 going into the first turnover. And all of a sudden, the field tilted downhill in a hurry. You get one turnover, you score off of it if you're Oregon State. And then the Bears come back, and they're still trying to battle back in. Now, they're 10 points down, and you turn that ball over again. And it's, it's really kind of a backbreaker because the game was short it's in the fourth quarter got to that point thinking, okay, we give ourselves a chance, even though the defense didn't play very well, still gave yourselves a chance, but then you hand the ball back and the defense couldn't get a stop. 
and it just changed everything. So that was huge. Special teams, once again, kickoff cover was not good. Technical term being no bueno. And uh, they're, they're going to have to shore up special teams. That kickoff cover team is going to have to get better in a hurry. I thought that Silas Bolden was a very good football player. I think that's giving him more credit uh, that is due. He's good, but he's small. You should be able to get him down, and the Bears were not able to get him down. So Oregon State ended up starting out near midfield all the time in that game. When you shorten a field like that, you make it a lot easier for an offense to score. It takes less plays, less chance of mishap on offense. And so Oregon State took full advantage of special teams in that game. So Oregon State won the special teams battle. They won the turnover battle as well. Both teams, I thought, ran the ball very well. DJ Uyunglele played out of his skull as a quarterback. Best game I've ever seen him play, including his time at Clemson. Um, and, you know, Fernando played like a young kid at times, but he also played really well. So uh, the Beavers ended up getting a big win on that one. They needed that one uh, to kind of stay in the hunt. The Bears need to improve. Need to get better on defense for sure. And the offense needs to improve as well. It's just going to get tougher from here on out because you've got Utah this week. Utah is gnarly. And then you're going to SC, you've got Oregon, you've got UCLA. So big time games coming up. Bears have to uh, dial it in and get better. So anyway, I had a chance to talk to Coach Wilcox. We're going to go to that interview right now and we'll get his thoughts on that Oregon State game. Well, joining me now, head coach Justin Wilcox. And coach, a tough one versus Oregon State because you knew they were a good football team coming in. They could run the ball. And you were looking for offense, and you got some offense, but defense wasn't quite there for the game. Give me your breakdown after watching game film. Yeah, we didn't really make any plays on defense. Jack Sermon had the punch out, but other than that, they ran the ball, kept it on schedule, and then when they threw it, we didn't touch it the entire day. We didn't have anybody touch a ball uh, the entire day, and uh, really disappointing there. Uh, I also thought the kickoff team was not good, and the kickoff team uh, – really hurt us in terms of field position and um it's really it's unfortunate really frustrating because the offense got stuff you know got things going ran the ball well and fernando did a heck of a job considering it's his first game um but with you like we were just not productive on defense uh, as i mentioned before i think we had two tackles for a loss for three yards we didn't sack him um we hurried him twice and we did not touch a ball in the pass game and so fourth and one, or they had five fourth downs, four of them were fourth and one, one was fourth and three. So, and they just kept going for it because they just, they got them all. Yeah. I mean, it's each piece that when you can stay on schedule, the run game, you knew it, Oregon State coming in, you can stay on schedule with your run game, kind of stay, stay on it. Fourth and one, you can, you can go for it when it's short. Yeah. I mean, and again, well, it's also in your territory. Yeah. The ball was on our side of the field the whole time because- and even we had them backed up, then we let them out, you know, and we had a, and then late in the third quarter, we had a third and 10. We ran a pressure. We got there and the guy threw a corner out over the corner in front of the safety. And then the next time we had third and eight, we played single high man free and they threw it on Noel and the guy beat, I mean, I, you know, yeah. at some point, some point we got to win. We got to win a, a pass rush. We got to win a one-on-one or we got to, break in zone coverage and tip the ball or make it incomplete. You know, it's just, yeah, very frustrating on defense. 
Yeah, so what, that was one of the things. As you watch your defense and, and you and Peter Sermon, your defense characteristically, very gap sound, guys are on their assignments. As I watched the film this week, it wasn't as gap sound, and that's part of what they do on the run game, but also guys missing assignment, particularly play action, pass, tight end, fullback, keep getting open when guys were trying to attack the run. Yeah, so that's what they do. They're going to get you in the run, then they mess with your eyes. They ran the little reverse pass, um, and our flat defender busted, you know? Um, I think, like, those are the things. I mean, you can't do it. And if you if you do that, then you have to be good enough to make up for it with a play later on where you, okay, we, we uh, played ourselves out of that one because we just, you know, we threw the tight end on the ground and made a sack or we had a negative two yard play, or we broke up a slant and we never did any of those things. We had, I mean, they ran slant. They just threw the ball like we weren't there. And I know that you, when you look at film, you know, obviously you prepare for everything. You know, he's athletic as a quarterback, you know, he's good, but his numbers hadn't been great. And he was under 60% passing. And as I looked at him, I can tell you, I said, mm, the run game, that's the key. Got to stop the run. That's the big one in this game. Do you think that lends itself to guys getting so dialed into the run that they kind of forget about the quarterback and it allows him opportunity yeah i mean so the bus was on the uh the reverse pass that guy was wide open the screen and go was misplayed by the corner um do you have to play the run well yeah you do because i mean the other thing is even when even when you fit it right they got six yards yeah i mean that running back's different he is. Running back and their and their engagement was moving the line of scrimmage forward rather than being a stalemate. Yeah, we didn't have we didn't we didn't they knocked us back. We didn't knock them back. I mean, they knocked it, they ran the ball when they wanted to run the ball, and then when they threw it, we didn't win in one on one. So at that point, like there is no like okay, blitz them more. Great. Um <laughs> we we did blitz them and then they, you know, if they if you you can blitz yourself out of a gap and if you don't get knockback then you're just getting creased so it's you know that was very frustrating because we got knocked back and they threw the ball in zone and in man and made every play and we didn't make any yeah and one of them you could see it they they were going after lou hearns and jeremiah irby that spot right and so they were going after those guys and they took advantage of those matchups yeah um i mean we had a real difficult time covering their receivers number seven uh, I don't know how many yards he had total uh, or all purpose, but uh, I mean, from the pass game and then the return yardage, I mean, just changed the entire game. But with him and then the run, the O line and the running back, you know, we just never could get ahead of the chains. We got it, had him backed up once when we pinned him on the nine, and then we we stopped the run. Then they threw an incompletion. We stopped the run, and then we got him on third and long, and then they jumped and then we stopped him on that drive uh but other than that you know the ball's up towards the 40 or 50 every time now they're in four down territory so they can go five yards you know first and ten second and four third and one, fourth and one go for it and that's how it was a whole game and the qb completed every pass yeah and, and you guys so you were you were still battling though right all that said you're still battling after halftime and defense is there, but you're scoring back and forth. They'd score, you'd score. And I think it got to like 38-35. And you guys turned the ball over, right? Put the ball on the ground offensively. How much Yeah, how much how much of a difference does that make defensively when you're already kind of 
struggling with it, you're having a hard time, and and then you give the ball away. But huge. I mean, we were going to have to win the game on offense. Yeah. And for most of the game, we were doing that. And then uh, running back put the ball on the ground, and then we threw a pick. And those two, I mean, that... Yeah. So we'll talk about the offense now because one thing we've been looking for as Spark is, is at that quarterback spot. Fernando Mendoza came into this game, young kid, right? Which was why he hadn't been the starter this or hadn't gotten a start to this point. And so you're not exactly sure what to expect. And early on, he showed some young guy jitters. And then he kind of corrected the ship and started making plays. Give me your evaluation on Fernando. Yeah, I think he even... We all felt like even early in the game, he was going to have some jitters. He missed a couple throws, real excited, uh, definitely calmed down. I thought he saw the game really well. Like he came to the sideline, he could tell you exactly what they were doing, what he saw, why he did what he did. Uh, he was very efficient grading out on what to do with the ball. Okay. He didn't always throw it perfect and he can get better there. But in terms of the run, run reads, the RPO game and the pass game, who to throw it to, for the most part, he was really on it. So that's encouraging. And I know what early in the game, we had a little uh, RPO and he he read it. And uh, a little bit of a mistake uh, at the end of the play. And they talked about it on the sideline. He came back late later in the game. Same look, same play, pulled the ball, pumped it to the wideout, got 11 yards first down. So that those type of things that was really encouraging, and then you could feel the energy that he brought to the team. That was palpable. That that's a that's a huge thing. That that kind of you know we talk mindset every week. That's a, that's my question this week is that one dude changing that chemistry, one guy changing that mindset. Right when he brings energy, how much does that affect the team around him, and and how much are you looking for that from guys? Hard to measure that because I think the. The word you look for is that belief, you know, and man, not that the other guys didn't have it in our other quarterbacks. I'm not saying that, but he certainly had everybody that the offense, defense, everybody on the sideline. You could just feel it that he had uh, the guys believe in and the tempo of the uh, I mean, the tempo of the game. He affected the tempo of the game just with how he played. So, uh He's going to have mistakes. He's going to make mistakes, but he did a really good job uh, managing his energy because he's a very excitable guy, passionate, passionate guy. But uh, I thought he did a good job managing that. And then, like I said, just functioning and and uh, being able to tell you what he saw and it wasn't too big for him. Well, that, that's a huge deal, right? Being able to kind of put into words what you're seeing on the field. It's not going by so fast that you're in this haze of stress you know, uh, reaction. Now I'm just seeing the field. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And along that same mindset, people think you have to make big plays, right? Rise to the level. But it's literally just making the plays you've been coached to do. You you throw the curl when you're supposed to throw the curl. Or you pull the ball when the end collapses, right? The end bites, you pull the ball and you get eight yards. And all of a sudden, you're on schedule. Your offense moves. So rather than making the huge play once or twice a game, it's about making every little play, isn't it? Absolutely. And he uh, he didn't make everyone, but he did a, a pretty darn good job of, as I mentioned before, getting the ball where it's supposed to go. Yeah. And so, Key, I, that showed up on film. The other thing you talked about, jumping up and down, right, high-fiving his offensive lineman, shaking the referee's hand at one point. It was kind of fun watching him play out there. Yeah, he is. That's him. Uh, 
he is just a uh, real high energy, positive guy, and uh, that's all genuine. None, none of that's manufactured. I mean, that's just who he is every day. So, uh, and that's why the team responds, and the and people respond like they do because they know that's that's who Fernando is. Yeah, and and. I'm looking forward to seeing the growth in him at that position because now he's going to settle in and get some more of that maturity of reps, right? You start getting reps, you mature. Now the accuracy comes in. Now the anticipation is even better. Now you've seen it. The chemistry changes for you in the way you you manage a game. So I'm personally looking forward to seeing that. It seemed like he and Jack Endries had a connection, right? They come in together. They they can complete the ball back and forth. He knew where Jack was going to be. Seemed like they had a connection out there. Yeah, I think so. And there was a... I was him on the over route, really nice throw, great catch and run by Jack. We had the real great play design by the offensive staff on the shift to empty, put the number three, the tight end up the pipe and got a touchdown off of that. Um, yeah, I just think, yeah, those two guys again, and the uh, having confidence that the ball is going to go where it needs to go and the receivers and tight ends having confidence in him. I think all that showed up again. We, we weren't perfect. Um, and, are going to need to continue to get better. But uh, again, I kind of come back to that word belief that that you felt out there. Yeah. And now, if you're managing the game right, you get your box numbers that you want. And when you had the box numbers, your offensive line actually did a really nice job of cleaning some holes for for your running backs. Yeah. I think the O-line and the run scheme, Mike Blesch, uh, he deserved a ton of credit um, that the run schemes and the O-line having the confidence in them and knowing what they're going to get and adjusting to the different, whether it's a 4-1 box, a uh, four two box you know is it nickel pressure like i just thought those guys did a heck of a job and we're gonna have another huge challenge this week with a really physical group but yeah i thought coach blush that run game and you know uh jade got going a bit in the first half and then you know isaiah fonse i i can't say enough good things about him he is an absolute warrior man that, that guy is so tough and it means so much to him um just a what a inspiring guy he can be. And did, have you ever been around a back? I mean, he's not he's not four four fast at the top end, but have you been around a back that can absorb hits like that and stay upright? Like he he doesn't even get swayed off when he gets hit. He just I guess, he, he has a way yeah. of buttressing himself to take those shots and and stay vertical. He's really naturally strong. You know, I don't know what his bench press and squat and all that is, but naturally strong. And his balance and when, you know, his contact balance, I think is what people call it, all the scouts and all those guys, you know, he just, he stays on his feet. And that takes, there's talent, but there's also just the will. I mean, he's a, he is a tough, tough, tough guy. And it's evident to everybody. It shows up. And you add that to the chemistry mix and what a difference that makes as well, right? Now you you have guys that you believe in, guys that you are inspired by like that. If Fonzie keeps taking shots, and it makes a huge difference for that offense. Uh, had a young running back show up several times, JV and Thomas, starting to get more play at that spot. What does he bring as a changeup, right? Ott is a reader. You've got a Fonzie who is a pounder who can get the extra tough yards. What does Thomas add at that back spot? Speed. Like he's probably the one, you know, his – uh, when you watch him play or when you push play and he gets a rep, like you notice how fast he's moving. And so I think that's where try to utilize him and uh, get him on the perimeter. And he's also a tough kid. He's just not not as big. Um, 
but we're going to try and continue to get him more and more opportunities. And, you know, all these guys that keep, we keep talking about, we, we hit this the other day that the guys that show up, you know, when it starts getting hard and you're mid season and you're in battle, these, some tough games, like the guys you end up talking about are the tough guys. I mean, competitive, tough guys, you know, those guys show up in these moments. And that's why, you know, you really don't want to judge guys in seven on seven or summer workouts or even fall camp because stuff gets hard, man. And you get in tight games and you have battles and your, your ankles kind of sore and man, I could probably do, do one of these, but those, like those dudes we're just talking about, you know, Fernando, uh, Fonse, like those are tough guys. Yeah, I can't tell you how many seven-on-seven seven superheroes I've seen that never showed up on game yeah, day. Diamond right? doesn't. Diamond doesn't. They're great out there catching passes in space, but as soon as they start getting smacked, it's a completely different animal. So yeah. always nice to have those guys on your side. Uh, finally, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about some injuries this week, some really important uh, injuries. Jay Knott was a big one. Uh, Vatikani and Jackson Sermon. Yeah, Jaden, I, I think we'll go. Um, you know, we're anticipating him being available. And then uh, Siawape and, and Jack would be uh, kind of uh, more day-to-day, week-to-week. So that's Coach Wilcox. As you can see, a lot of the same conclusions that I came to. Injuries, a potential issue this week. I'm going to have to see if Jack Sermon gets back. going to have to see what happens with Vatikani. Jaden Ott, of course, would be good to get him back as well. Not sure exactly what that surgery is, um, undis- or excuse me, not surgery, but injury is, undisclosed. But uh, hopefully we get Jaden Ott back this week. Uh, and a couple of those other guys, too, would be, be huge difference makers as you go into Utah. Rice Eccles Stadium is no joke. It is hostile territory. They have been filling it every single game. Their fans are nuts, uh, and they're very good as a home field fa- uh, fan base. You're also up at altitude, and altitude is a big difference when you go into it. So the Bears have to get their mind right. They have to definitely get their discipline right on defense and on special teams. Those kind of letdowns can't happen. If that happens in Utah, it could get ugly early. Uh, the benefit being that if Cam Rising is not back, Utah has not been great on offense. And I will bring you that. We'll talk about Utah in my preview of this game coming up later on in the week. For now, I appreciate you guys watching. I'm Mike Pulaski for Bear Insider and the Ultimate Insider Podcast. Go Bears. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.